Pink Midnight. Pink Midnight. Pink Midnight. What do you do when the only sound is the beat of your heart tearing you apart with its pounding? Where do you go? Can't run away from a love that is wrong, but the feeling's so strong that you'll stay. From me. I'm not running away from you, Cynthia. Look, I never made any commitment to you. You date whoever you want to date, and I'll date whoever I want to date. Let's just be friends, okay? You're playing with fire, Jay. Welcome to another episode of Pink Midnight. Today we're going to be looking at the Blu-ray edition of They're Playing With Fire, starring Sybil Danning. Uh, I first became interested in this film a few months ago. It seemed like a peculiar film, and then what further uh, gained my interest was I was listening to a podcast with the pure cinema podcast and they were doing a series on david lynch and pairing uh, certain films with david lynch films uh, like as if they were to be double features and one of the hosts uh elric kane uh paired this film they're playing with fire with blue velvet as a good double bill so after I heard that, then I became even more interested in the film and was able to track it down. Uh, this is uh, the Kino Lorber Blu-ray. Newly mastered in HD, drive-in goddess and 80s action queen Sybil Danning, Howling 2, Chained Heat, Reform School Girls, stars as a lusty college professor who seduces a naive student Eric Brown from Private Lessons, as part of a sordid plot to frame him for the murder of her wealthy in-laws. But in a world of passion and deceit, not everything is what it seems to be. Andrew Prine from the Centerfold Girls, Paul Clemens from The Beast Within, and soap star K.T. Stevens, The Young and the Restless, co-star in this deliciously sleazy mix of sex and violence that Mr. Skinhale's as one of the weirdest entries in the genre, combining hormone farce antics with slasher movie elements and, of course, Sybil's sumptuous sax, co-written and directed by Howard Avidis from Mortuary fame. So the cover uh, features Sybil Danning 
kind of her leg up over um, Eric Brown's book. Eric Brown seems to almost be looking at her with horror rather than attraction. And that's something I'll talk a lot about in this uh, podcast episode. So uh, she's got a fairly 80s haircut, uh, pretty poofy, sort of a semi-perm looking kind of thing, almost like a helmet uh, sort of thing going on. She's lit pretty dramatically from the back of her head, so it seems as if her the edges of her hair are almost ghostly. Almost reminds me a little bit of the weird science cover a little bit. Uh, Eric Brown is kind of cast in shadow a little bit more. Uh, he's fairly awkward looking and already even from this angle, actually especially from this angle, he seems a lot smaller than Sybil Danning. And he is a fair amount shorter than her. She's a rather tall, kind of Amazonian type type of uh, uh, woman. And they're in a college class. I think it was college. Uh, she's kind of sitting at the desk. She's sitting on the desk and he's sitting at the chair that would be pushed into the desk. Uh, there are There's a chalkboard behind them. It's kind of difficult to read what is on the chalkboard since it's been erased, but in the film she's teaching Macbeth in the first scene, which is uh, thematically related to what's going on, as you heard from the synopsis, because her and her husband are kind of scheming to take away uh, his mother, and I believe it's his grandmother's fortune, or basically they want to put them in a home before um, they're written out of the will, or I don't even know if they know if they're going to be written out of the will. One thing that uh, caught my attention when I was reading the synopsis was the fact that they were going to frame um, the student, Eric Brown, for the murder, which I didn't quite get. I, I did watch the movie a couple times, twice, about two and a half times. And it seemed like that was one part where the plan had gone awry. The plan was to send him in and he would create a scare that would lead them to feel like the house wasn't safe to stay in anymore and then they could go into an assisted living uh, situation. So I thought that was the the plan, which did not go according to plan. In the film, when Eric Brown breaks into the house, uh, the older women actually chase him out and start shooting a shotgun at him, which he very... Uh, barely avoids being hit so I don't think he was ever framed he was ever set up to be framed for the murder so I think that was something that maybe the writer of the synopsis had missed or maybe something that I had missed I'm not sure one of us missed something there uh so they're playing with fire I want to start off this podcast with just some alternate titles when I was watching it I thought of alternate titles for this film Blood Triangle, Bloody Love Triangle, Teacher's Pest Pet, Grandma's Evil Grandson, Teacher's Frisky Pet, They're Playing with Shorty, They're Playing with Sporty, They're Playing with Innocence, 
they're playing with an awkward height differential. Um, one thing you should never do is don't aim your gun directly at your lover's head while looking through your husband's secret brother's baby book, uh, which is exactly what happens. Eric Brown's character is looking through a baby book and accidentally sort of pointing it directly at Sybil Banning's head. Now, nothing happens, but that was something that seemed rather threatening just in terms of the position there. That's pretty much near the end of the film. Why do beautiful dead girls with eye patches always seem to wind up sitting next to Christmas trees and Mickey Mouse rotary phones off the hook? That's kind of a haunting image from the end of the film that I noticed. Uh, even the dog gets tied up at the end of the film. What would it be like to drive away from a job, a gas station job you despise, and drive onward to Hawaii? In terms of the features, there aren't too many features on the disc. Uh, there's an interview with Sybil Danning, uh, and there's a couple trailers. There's a trailer for They're Playing With Fire, there's a trailer for a film called The Stud, and there's a trailer for a film called The Bitch. I've never seen The Stud or The Bitch, but they both seem kind of uh, intriguing, uh, sort of lost 80s gems of B-movie or maybe not B-movie. Maybe they were kind of bigger budgeted films at the time. I think they both have Joan Collins in them, which I think at the time she was a pretty big actress. Seem to be late 70s, early 80s. One of them uh, seems maybe uh, riding on the coattails of like Saturday Night Fever. I think the stud looked like kind of disco-y. So those, both those trailers had me intrigued by those films. The interview with, with Sybil Danning is really good, actually. She's very insightful about all aspects of the film. She goes into great detail about uh, the, director of the, uh, the director of photography... She talks about uh, how co-star Eric Brown was extremely reluctant to get uh, naked with her and how awkward he was during the nude scenes, how he didn't really gel with her. And I really picked up on that the first viewing of the film. I thought that the scenes, the, um, the love scenes seemed pretty awkward and he seemed very cold and distant during those. So it kind of reaffirm my, my theory or just my feeling that uh, there was some kind of something missing between the connection of them which was interesting because she was saying that a lot of the fans of the film really connected with it because they were able to picture themselves in Eric Brown's role and were really able to relate to him another thing I was thinking about um, that aspect I was reading a book by Jeff Tweedy uh, I think it was this past summer, his autobiography. And he was writing about having an early experience with um, an older woman and how that kind of traumatized him and how, you know, in our culture, it's sort of celebrated if a younger man ends up with an older woman, but how it could also be kind of damaging to the psyche um, and how, you know, males can also be taken advantage of and I think that's true and something to think about 
the fans were always kind of upset apparently that she wasn't holding the gun in the final scene that Eric Brown was and he does seem pretty awkward with it it seems to be about his height and I don't know there's something really strange about that actor in general Eric Brown uh, Danny did a film with Klaus Kinski I forget the Maybe it was the Biter Meinhof complex or something like that that she 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 brings up during the interview, which had me intrigued because I was actually named after Klaus Kinski. My name is uh, Nicholas, spelled with an A U. So anything Klaus Kinski related, I'm always intrigued by. My father was a big fan of uh, Aguirre, the Wrath of God, when I was born. So they stuck in an extra U to my name. If you were wondering about the spelling of that, that's why. So again, yeah, Sybil Danning's very intelligent and insightful during the interview. Definitely worth checking out. Uh, so the film opens up with Sybil Danning kind of tanning on a boat. Then she starts talking about Macbeth in class, which has some thematic echoes, like I mentioned before, because she is planning to, um, you know, put her husband's mother and grandmother in assisted living and yeah there's again something awkward about the seduction scene which happens early on she hires eric brown to refinish her boat she has a huge yacht so they do already have some money they live in a nice place they have a yacht she has all these nice cars and so forth but they keep talking about how their the money's being withheld from them uh the boy does seem to be underage he seems maybe like, I don't know, not a college student. Usually we have, you know, 20-somethings or 30-somethings playing high school students, but he seems almost a little too small and delicate to be a college student. Um, <clears throat> if they go to bed at 9, this is, this is the scene. Um, they mention that the mother and grandmother go to bed at nine, but they send him in for a burglary to scare them. It has to be around three or four in the afternoon, so I thought that was odd. If he's supposed to wait around for hours. And he does end up getting caught. Uh, there's a dog eating on the counter. Then there's some kind of subplot with the gardener that's not quite developed. Um, there's a, It ends with some violence, the scene. You know, uh, after Eric Brown's character leaves and after he escapes, the mother and grandmother are murdered, rather brutally, actually. There's a shot that goes through the cheek and in the back of the head. Uh, then there's a scene with Sybil Danning's husband kind of wiping blood off a mirror. They're trying to figure out what happened. They don't find the bodies until the very end of the film. Uh, there's a character who wants to order a pizza with mustard and anchovies. And then there's another kind of awkward love scene. And they're playing with awkward foreplay while others are being set on fire, a.k.a. getting murdered. Uh, there was also a really strange scene, uh, the Santa Claus scene. There's a scene where one character is murdered by... Another character wearing a Santa Claus outfit, which is never completely explained. Uh, this Sybil Danning's secret brother character is supposed to be uh, kind of unstable, mental and stable. 
So I guess that's the explanation, but it still feels pretty random and odd that there's a random scene of him dressed in Santa Claus when he attacks somebody. Apparently Orson Welles loved the director of photography on this, mo on this uh, movie. Uh, he was using him for his last few films. And my last observation was that Sybil Danning's body seems to be allergic to clothes. They, As they run in front of the mansion, her clothes are practically trying to fly away from her and off her. So I think that I would recommend this film to track it down. Uh, Sybil Danning is, you know, worth worth seeing in this film. And I think that it does have some strange parallels to Blue Velvet, especially the way that it ends, where it has, uh, you know, just a couple of sort of like a tableau of uh, murdered people kind of laid out in a bizarre way. That was one of the one connection I noticed that, uh, you know, must have been thought of when they were pairing this with Blue Velvet. So a lot of other reasons to enjoy this film. The soundtrack is very 80s and fun too. And yeah, they're playing with fire. Sort of hilarious, yet kind of dark as well. Kind of a really unique film tonally. Uh, there is a strange tonal shift in the film. And there are a lot of surprises along the way. And delights to be had with this film. So I would recommend it. They're playing with fire. Dad. Thank you for tuning in to Pink Midnight. We hope you have enjoyed your stay in this haunted hotel, in this abandoned palace, in this opulent field of nowhere grass.